0: Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Mike Pumphrey. Mike is the Orville Vogel Endowed Chair of Spring Wheat Breeding and Genetics at WSU and focuses on the development of high yielding, high quality, and pest and disease resistant spring wheat varieties for diverse Washington production environments. Mike has worked on hessian fly resistance for 12 years, through his previous position with the USDA's Agricultural Research Service in Kansas, and since coming to WSU eight years ago. Hello, Mike. Hi, Drew. So we've heard reports uh, this year that hessian fly damage fields are getting a little bit worse, and have been for the last few years. How does a grower scout for hessian fly infestation and see whether he's got a problem with that or not?
1: Oh, uh, that's a that's a good question. Um, Unfortunately, there aren't anything like a commercially available pheromone trap, which you can go out and uh, monitor. Um, There are pheromones available, but nobody's producing those. So basically, we're left with after the fact going out and looking for uh, stunted plants with dark green tillers, uh, fewer tillers, not, not very vigorous.
0: Okay. Will these be scattered throughout the field, or they tend to be in clumps, or how, um, is there any pattern to it in the there, field?
1: There, there, there tends to be kind of I would say what you might call a hot spot of infestation in certain fields, just depending on residue left over or the source of those um, puparia or the the insects, you know, as they go through um, metamorphosis. Um, but in general, you know, if, if the field has a history of Of fairly uniform production and has uh, fairly consistent amounts of residue that it'll just be a sort of patchy mosaic really across the entire field.
0: Okay, and why do you suppose it's been increasing in recent years? Environment or too many uh, susceptible varieties being grown, or what's the issue there, uh, do you think?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. Um, you know, this March is a good example. We had, I think, unseasonably warm weather in March. April kind of cooled off again. But um, hessian flies really like to hatch when the t- conditions are, I would call, cool, but, but you know, desirable somewhere, say, 50 to 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So March, we had those conditions across much of the state that coincides with with seeding times. And so they have the insect hatching right at the right time when the spring wheat is established.
0: Okay. I remember Hessian fly-free days from my time in the, in the Great Plains, and that's dealing with winter wheat. You had to plant it after a certain date to avoid the Hessian fly. So obviously, Hessian fly affects winter wheat too. Are we seeing a problem in winter wheat?
1: You know, there have been reports of entire fields that were basically complete uh, commercial losses over the past few years. Those were mainly in the irrigated areas. I would say everywhere we see moderate infestations of hessian fly in winter wheat. Um, Winter wheat is just much more tolerant. The... uh, plants are established and tillering better, they get through the winter and kind of uh, start growing sooner than the hessian flies hatch. So they're really able to outgrow the hessian fly in our system. Uh, We do get fall infestations and and the winter wheat will be infested. And those few winter wheat fields where there are complete losses, that was exactly the problem is that the fall infestation was heavy enough, probably because the field was planted early enough that It was essentially a total loss.
0: So is there a planting date with spring wheat that benefits or makes it more likely to have problems when we're talking spring wheat rather than winter Uh, wheat?
1: You know, mother nature comes into play a little bit too much. And in general with spring wheat, the earlier we can plant, the better in terms of, you know, establishing yield potential for the crop season. So um, if we plant early and we get sort of unseasonably warm weather like we did this March, then that just means there's going to be more hessian fly infestation even though we're setting up for a good uh, crop if you're able to plant that early.
0: Okay, so as, as a spring wheat breeder, you're evidently um, looking to breed varieties that are more resistant to uh, hessian fly. What makes a wheat variety resistant to hessian fly?
1: Uh, you know, this is a really interesting insect system. Um, these Hessian flies actually behave more like some of our fungal diseases, like for, say, stripe rust, for instance. There are specific genes that cause virulence or, you know, allow the uh, insect to infect the plant, and the plant has specific resistance genes, kind of like the all stage or seedling resistance we talk about in stripe rust. Um, Unfortunately, we don't know a lot about those genes. We don't have a lot of DNA tools to track those genes. Um, Our region has its own sort of diverse and unique Hessian fly population compared to if you're in Kansas or Indiana or North Carolina or say Morocco. Um, This is a globally distributed problem, but Um, each hessian fly population is really kind of establishing itself and mating locally uh, up to to three to four times a year in our environment. So those populations can really differentiate in fairly isolated regions.
0: So these resistant varieties, are they just capable of surviving the damage caused by the hessian fly, or do they prevent the hessian fly from developing and growing? So
1: the hessian fly, the female, she only lives about a day. She emerges, flies around, lays eggs, those eggs hatch after three to five days and crawl into the into the leaf sheath. Um, at that point, if it's a resistant variety, it basically just immediately senses. The sort of attack uh, a resistance gene shuts down those cells and does not allow feeding, and the fly basically is arrested and, and dies, just starves to death there in place. Um, with a susceptible variety, it, it, once it's latched into the plant, it's sedentary, and it will just feed and feed and feed for a few weeks until it's pupates and then, you know, can hatch again.
0: Okay. Very interesting. So a real defense mechanism somewhere, like you say, the diseases. Yeah, it's, it's or a it's
1: a very active, you know, gene for gene system. Huh,
0: interesting. So if a grower hasn't had a hessian fly problem in the past. Should he be concerned about hessian fly now?
1: Uh, hessian fly for spring wheat is, is right at the top of the, my list for number one traits to consider in a variety. Um, so I say yes. Um, there are areas where, you know, growers haven't experienced hessian fly infection at really troubling levels in recent years or even decade or so. However, um, if you have a, mainly a cereal-based cropping system with abundant residue, particularly our no-till systems or direct seed systems, um, we have hessian fly. You may not see damage in winter wheat, but it's maintaining a population. If you plant a susceptible variety in those conditions and the uh, weather is right, we we stand to have big problems. And I think that's what we're mainly seeing the past couple years is JD spring wheat. It's a club wheat um, that is broadly adapted. Farmers have liked growing it. JD is susceptible to hessian fly, but it's being grown widely enough now that we're basically detecting Hessian fly everywhere across the state that JD has grown. JD is not the only one. There are a few other susceptible varieties that I would avoid if you if you think you have Hessian fly in your system.
0: So can a grower go to say the wheat and small grains website and go to the variety testing information and see what the level of Hessian fly resistance is for a variety or is this information they have to go find somewhere no, else? No,
1: we, we've done a good job with uh, funding from the Washington Grain Commission to support Uh, entomologist at the University of Idaho named Nilsa Bosque perez Nilsa has been screening our variety trial entries annually. Uh, We update that information and put it on the smallgrains.wsu.edu variety selection tool. Okay,
0: good. So growers, if they're concerned, it sounds like most growers should be concerned and need to be checking on that particular rating. On the, on the variety testing tool. Yep. Well, good heads up for our growers out there to be on the lookout for this and to be really considering hessian fly resistance in the varieties as they go into the future. Thanks, Mike. Thanks a lot, Drew. Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, you can subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app so you never miss an episode. And leave us a review while you're there. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lion@wsu.edu. at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also reach out on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.